welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me as always is my co-host, Chuck Bailey. Episode 20. Woo! 20. 20. <laughs> One more episode and we'll be legally allowed to drink in the United States. Huzzah! Looking alarmingly disappointed in us in the background is... <laughs> Super producer Ian Stimson, how you doing, Ian? Good. We've got to twenty. Yeah. Did you ever think we'd get there? Uh, I wasn't sure. Um, during the World Cup ones, I wondered, uh, but we have got there. It's amazing. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we'd last after the World Cup. Yeah, it was a good World Cup. I thought we'd just burn out in a blaze of yeah. glory. <laughs> that was it. We've run out of everything now. Yeah, we're done. Peace. Nothing left to say. I thought I'd bring into it though now because. Uh, Episode 20, I thought I'd bring in like a number-based fact every week. So, oh, yeah? Um, yeah, so it was 20 years ago today that uh, Macclesfield Town were playing Lincoln and uh, their mascot, Rory the Lion, he got sent off uh, at half-time because he was inciting the Lincoln fans when the players were having a brawl, apparently, by making obscene gestures with his tail. Obscene <laughs> <laughs> gestures with his tail? That's yeah. amazing. And he got sent off for it. That was 20 years ago. That's got to be him, like wanking it off isn't it surely what other obscene gesture can you make with your tail yeah got a red card for it though fantastic. fantastic and if rory the lion is listening please get in touch we'd like you to be a guest on the pod um, our first ever guest yeah our first ever <laughs> guest will be a mascot please be in full uniform uh the whole time obviously the listeners won't tell but we'll we will know <laughs> we'll know yep. exactly yeah yep and make sure you bring that very special tail <laughs> chuck is very yeah. curious to see it be nice to have someone other than Chuck making obscene gestures during the pod. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, if you are joining us, welcome. The Here's how it goes every week. We do some breaking news, rapid fire news that is never rapid and usually not really news. Then we go through last week's fixtures, pick out the storylines that are interesting to us, take a short break, come back, do some listener questions, and preview next week's fixtures. How's that sound to you, gentlemen? That is an episode 20. That is 20. I like that we have like a little formula now too. Like we really, it feels like I know what to do. Whereas at first I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to talk. one of us does, mate. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah. Thank God for you. We're halfway to the meatloaf. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> we just got one. Right. So let's go ahead and get into it. It is now time for rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Tonight, our top story. Manchester City have dedicated a goalkeeper training pitch at their club to club legend, and this is from their Twitter post, Joe Hart, in recognition of his 12-year <laughs> tenure at the club. He was there 12 years. Yep. Jesus. Wow. Are you going to be, uh, Chuck, are you going to try to make an appearance at the Joe Hart Memorial goalkeeping pitch? <laughs> He's not dead. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did they, they scattered his ashes on the halfway line. Or- <laughs> Well, his career is basically ashes now, so... Ooh, you hear that, Joe Hart? Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, sick burn. (laughs) You suck. (laughs) Uh, I like Joe Hart. He's a good guy. It's a shame he died. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Hart um, always makes me think of the night that we drafted for Fantrax on the the Gaffer Tapes League. And, like, every 20... Seconds, I would just type in the chat, hey, someone pick Joe Hart, someone pick Joe Hart, <laughs> for the whole fucking night. And then finally at the end, I picked Joe Hart you with my Joe last Hart. pick. You got into your own head. 
Yeah, Brilliant. I panicked oh, no. in the last round. Joe Hart's still there. I should get Joe Hart. <laughs> I must yeah, I dropped him. Quick, before he dies. Oh, <laughs> oh he's dead. <laughs> R.I.P. in peace, Joe Hart. Gone but not forgotten. All right, moving right along. Next up in our news story, Ryan Sessignon becomes the first footballer born in the 2000s to score a goal in the Premier League. Ian, what are your thoughts? Uh... Do you remember the turn of the millennium, Ian? Or had the yeah. Alzheimer's set in by then? Yeah, I was 16, so obviously already drinking. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but I defy anyone not to feel old after hearing that. That just seems outrageous that someone could be an adult and scoring goals. And I was born in the 80s. Fuck that. Fuck him. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I was, I'm in the 80s too, but not quite as far in as you are. You're all right. But not that we're pretty close actually in age. We joke a lot about how old you are, but like oh, no, we're not that far apart. Um <laughs> I just look it's and act and sound older than anyone. Yeah. Well and the You're other like thing to me is what a proper grown up's meant to be. Oh, I'll take that. Proper adult. That's almost like a almost like a compliment. Yeah, you're a real adult star. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so born May 18, 2000, scored a goal in the Prem. What were you doing at eighteen? Um, A levels, and doing that thing where you go. Actually, no, I was past the uh, drinking white cider in the park phase. That was done. I, should, I would hope yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to think so. Then I went back into it like last month and just got it out of my system. Again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, nice to revisit sometimes. It's good to hang out with the teenagers and drink in the park. With them. <laughs> yeah, to be sophisticated. I once saw when I was walking in like the King's Cross area, I saw Here a homeless go. guy. Homeless guy sitting in like a. You know, like a house doorway, like a... What are they called in America? Like a stoop? A stoop, yeah. Yeah. So sitting there, and he had like a two-litre bottle of, of White Ace or White Lightning, which you can tell by the face I'm putting, Oscar, is just like a horrendous gut rot, like yeah. white cider that, you know, it, it eats your insides. <laughs> um, and he took this massive two-litre bottle and was pouring it into a can of Strongbow. So it's almost like oh, even nice. in his society, he didn't want to lose face. Yeah, and see, like he wasn't wasn't privileged enough to to not be able to afford Strongbow. That's a, and that's an amazing coincidence because at age eighteen, I was dancing on Friday nights under the name of White Lightning. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, good. All right, next story. Moving along. This is going great so far, right? Really rapidly. Like, really good news. Are we gonna cut the whole new section out? <laughs> Yeah, Guys, it's still quicker than normal. Let's go. Yeah. I'm loving this. it. I'm loving it. Okay. Um, FIFA set to revive controversial plans for new Club World Cup and Nations League. Oh, for fuck's sake. Reports suggest that the Club World Cup will be held annually and involve the top European and Premier League teams. UEFA is against the plans, which will be raised when FIFA's ruling council meets in Rwanda on Thursday and Friday. Because what Rwanda needs is more corruption, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Ian said it better than I could. Next. <laughs> okay, next. Uh, in news that's not really news, Chuck uh, tagged this in the group chat. Pep Guardiola and Sean Dyche born less than 10 days apart. <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. that match of the day. Look at, Amazing. Look at them two. Look at what the years have been kind to one of them. And it's not Sean Dyche. Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> Separated at birth, surely. Well, so I typed that in uh, Sean Dyche versus Pep Guardiola into the old Google machine to see what comes out. And there was a story from August 2016 where he was talking shit about Pep 
because everyone like loves Pep and talks about how much of a genius he is. Here's the quote. Uh, Sean Dyche thinks foreign coaches and their ideas are Can you more... Hang on, hang on. Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Can yeah. you please do this, but read it as, as Sean Dyche? No, I don't know what he sounds like. <laughs> you don't know what Sean oh. Dyche sounds like? Okay, no. well, you, you just read it, and I'll okay. pitch it down like about an octave <laughs> yeah. in the end. Yeah, okay. well, all you need to do is imagine your voice as, like, taking a handful of gravel <laughs> and throwing it into a blender and just smashing it on pulse constantly. And that's kind of what Sean Dyche sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you do it, and I'll pitch it down. All right. Foreign coaches and their ideas are deemed more snazzy and shown more defense by the populace. Two geniuses, one adding pizza and one taking it away. I saw Manchester City midfielder Samir Nasri talking about the diet that Pep has brought in. He stopped pizza. He's a genius already, in my view. What? <laughs> that's it. That's what Sean Dyche said about Pep. Uh, the more I hear about him, the more I think he's a bit mental, but no one dares tell him. Ooh, ooh, I got more too. This will be relating to us. We got pizza and now we'll get something else that relates to us. Well, <laughs> Antonio Conte comes in at Chelsea and gets commended for bringing in a hard, fast new leadership, which involves doing 800-meter runs, 400-meter runs, and 200-meter runs. I thought that was interesting, because if you see us doing that, you'd say we're running them around in circles. You'd call me a young English dinosaur. A young English dinosaur? <laughs> That's what he said! <laughs> That's he dinosaurs. That's dinosaurs. He is all over the place there, isn't he? Christ almighty. I'm inclined to agree with you there, Ian, that Sean Dyche is... Mental. Yep, and the end of the quote, just oh. to keep bring them in, because there are just there's so many good quotes from this article. Brilliant. Why do you buy a branded pair of jeans rather than the other pair? Because you think they're better, but they might not be. They usually are. Pep's branded jeans. Sean Dyche's <laughs> bottom of the bin, yeah. Savers Club. or Tesco um, Value. Tesco jeans, yeah. That's what <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so far we say, Joe Hart, fuck you. Sean Dyche, you're an idiot. FIFA, you're corrupt. Go back to school. Yeah, good for you, kid. Pretty standard. All right, last one. Uh, Lionel Messi is injured, out for a month. Reports suggest, and he will probably be missing the next El Clasico, which means it'll be the first El Clasico in 15 years that does not have Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Chuck, do you remember the last El Clasico before Messi and Ronaldo? (laughs) Um, I have never watched a Clasico. You've never watched a classic? Really? No, I don't support either of those teams, do I? So, no, it's just, it's one of those games that usually transcends sort of support. I mean, I'm the I'm the most casual of casuals, but I've managed to see a few. But uh, where, where is it? It's because it's this weekend, isn't it? It Sunday. is. Yeah, it's probably not going to be a classic of El Clasicos, though. There's no Messi, and I don't think the absence of Ronaldo matters. But Real Madrid is shit. Yep. Uh, yeah. Barcelona and Bayern haven't been that good this season so far either. I was reading an article about their numbers and how it's like actually really weird that the, all three of them are bad at the same time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So just to get the time on Sunday, I just Googled Real Madrid Barcelona. And so it's come up with the time and everything. And then top stories is a gold.com article from two days ago, which says Barcelona versus Real Madrid. Quote, El Clasico is shit. Robert Huth can't stand the battle between La Liga giants. There we Robert go, guys. If, if, you, if, you, if ever you thought that El Clasico was a great game yeah. or even was the classic, Robert Huth has just completely blown your logic out of the water. He can't stand it, guys. No one can watch it. 
Get rid. Don't turn on your TV on Sunday. The La Liga president's picking up the phone. What? What, Robert Hooth? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, More cancel like it. Robert who? <laughs> uh... <laughs> there it is. There it is. Honestly. Right, that's news done. So let's take it to the fixtures. I figure this week we could do something interesting and go in backwards order. How's that sound to you guys? Ooh. Yeah, the sooner we get the Palace game over with, the better, really. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's start off with Monday's game. Arsenal 3, Leicester 1. Arsenal looked very good. Um, the XG basically exactly lined up with the match here. 3.2 to 0.8. And it ended 3-1, so that's pretty much spot on. Did you either of you happen to catch that match or catch the highlights? Arsenal's done some mega goals. Yeah, that third goal, right? That yeah. was ejaculating. Oh, um, I see. It was amazing. <laughs> it was pure baguette emoji. Like, it was peak that Wenger. It was Wenger. Wenger in. Get Wenger back. <laughs> Wenger back. Wenger back. He's still there. He lives on. So, Aubameyang getting two goals, but he didn't get the start. Is this finally going to be enough to earn him a start? Or, what? like, what's up there? I don't know. He's like he's like Olivier Giroud used to be for them, but scoring five times as many goals. I mean, he's doing the exact same role at Chelsea now that he was at Arsenal in that coming on at the end of the match. He should be starting for Chelsea. Well, we'll get to Chelsea later. But yeah, yeah. Uh, two goals for Aubameyang. Ozil scores, taking him to the most ever goals for a German in the Premier League. Uh, <laughs> Ian fist pumping back there because of Ozil. Yeah. What, what's that about? So I I took a hit. This was before the international break. I took a hit to get Ozil and Son in. I can't remember why now. And got roundly lambasted, quite rightly, because it was an absolute punt. And then he got benched. So my hit was pointless. But, yeah, I felt totally vindicated this week. 59 points, smashed most people. And uh, oh, loved it. But anyway, yeah, less, less, less of FPL, but yeah. Ozil looked uh, quite something during this game, though. He really did. Definitely turned it on. I mean, it, it, who have Arsenal got next? They've got someone proper next, haven't they? Oh, no, nope. it's Crystal Palace. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but it does, it, you know, Ozil is one of those sort of players who doesn't generally turn up for the big games. But, yeah, he absolutely ran the show um, against Leicester. He was very impressive. Yeah, but that means he'll be shit for the next three. Or he'll yeah, be ill next does, week, yeah. so it's fine. Yep, you're absolutely uh, right. Yeah, he'll have a yeah. sniffle and he'll call it a day. Yeah, so I think that's exactly right. He had a really good match, although I just don't think he's going to keep it going because he's always been kind of up and down. Do we think that this is a turning point for them? Because this was a legitimate result against Leicester, who are not a bad team. Um, like It, it basically lined up with the XG, and they looked good. They passed the eye test as well. It did. So Leicester haven't been that great recently because, you know, in their last five games... They, they've won two, but that was against Newcastle and Huddersfield. So they haven't been great. And yeah, Arsenal, again, so we talked about it last week, that Arsenal won nine games in a row. If they were playing like FK Karabag or like other Ukrainian teams and stuff like that. And so now, you know, they've won 10 in a row, Leicester, fine. If they, do they have Europa League this week? Yeah, so they've got Sporting um, this week on Thursday. So that could be, that could be kind of a tough test for them because that's a way. Um, but they could still easily win that. Then they've got Palace, who we're shit. Um, then they've got Blackpool in the League Cup. So they could easily get to 13 wins on the bounce, but without playing uh, that good of a team. But um, but you can only beat who you're playing. And they have... Of course. You know, they they have done 
what they don't usually do, which is score goals. Admittedly, a lot of them have been Aubameyang off the bench. But we, we well, we said it in that episode before that um, they seem to have an end product all of a sudden. So they've got a genuine chance to put a put a run together. I'm trying to I'm trying to sort of look at it positively rather than I don't know why I don't particularly like Arsenal. But it's just <laughs> like it just just feels like I ought to be a contrarian stance for once. But um, yeah, it feels like they've got it feels like they've got an end product now. And uh, I mean. They they genuinely could be up there with your Man Cities and your Chelseas within a few games. They need to not drop points. But like you say, you go through their fixtures, and it, apart from Liverpool, it, which which will be a an effort, admittedly, you know, Wolves after that, Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth. I mean, it yeah. it could happen. I mean, it really could. I was with you, Ian, until you said that they could get to City and Chelsea's level. Um, I do think that mm. with their strikers being <laughs> as good as they are, uh, I think maybe they've overperformed their results, but not they might be able to continue overperforming. Not certainly not to the extent that they have, because that's historically overperforming, like no team has before. Okay, um, but they could continue to perform above their expected goals, their expected points, or whatever, because of their good striking. But I still think that at the end of the day. Like maybe they're better than we've given them credit for, but I don't think they're still as good as the table would imply. Okay, um, and I do think that they'll be in that race for fourth place with Spurs and maybe United. <laughs> Arsenal fans will love to hear that. Back in the race for fourth. <laughs> fourth place in the FA Cup, mate. That's all you need. <laughs> all right. Well, moving right along, we'll take it to Everton two, Crystal Palace zero. Chuck, that was not a fluke. Palace were very bad. Right. Strap in, lads. Oh, Here we go. Okay. <laughs> so it was the absolute quintessential Palace performance, which was great because it was the first time I sat down with my daughter to watch the game. So, you know, lifetime of, of shit prepared for. Um, that's just how it's going to be. Uh, we played really well, uh, I thought, and controlled the game really well in the, in the first half and did well to stay in it. Then obviously getting the penalty. Uh, was very good, but Zaha was very quiet the whole game. Uh, he only had one shot, and I think he only successfully completed like two dribbles or something like that, um, because the simple fact is, all the game plan is, is give him the ball and expect him to do everything, and then when he beats everyone, there's no one in the fucking box to cross it to, because he's the one that's meant to be playing as a striker, um, and it just doesn't work. Then we win the penalty, which some people might say is soft, and Chris Sutton, because he's a stupid prick, said, did Zaha have to go down? So like, the simple fact is, yes, he did have to go down because he was tripped. And that's how you win a fucking penalty. Otherwise, you no don't one's get it. Ever, yeah. no one's, if you can show me a video of someone getting a penalty whilst also staying on their feet, then I'll be com- fucking impressed because it does not happen. Hmm. Then Milivojevic steps up and takes the shittest penalty in the world. Like, I still maintain... If you miss a penalty, you should have like a three-match ban because you're just <laughs> shit. Like, don't play a ball soft and down the middle. Like, he always hammers it to the bottom left. Just hammer it to the bottom left. You'd have been fine. Pickford's diving to the right. Do a Harry Kane. Just absolutely smash the fuck out of the ball. And so then we still can't convert any chances. Don't make any subs. Hodgson makes three subs. I turned to my girlfriend's brother-in-law, who was sitting watching the game with me, and said, oh, they're bringing on Tosin. He'll score because we were rumoured to buy him with Allardyce. And then Allardyce went to Everton and bought him. 
Game carries on, game carries on. Everton starts getting it a bit more. They then make the double substitution and bring on Lookman and... Oh, it was Lookman and Calvert-Lewin, sorry. Um, Lookman will do something now because we were linked to buy him and then Allardyce went to Everton and, and bought him instead. So, obviously, Lookman links up with Calvert-Lewin for the first goal and then two minutes later, ball from the back, right over the top, Tosin buries it. Um, so that's kind of where the XG comes from as well, is at the very end, you know, the two goals were very good chances because Tosin was one-on-one in the 87th minute. Yeah. yeah. And then after we're 2-0 down, Hodgson makes his first substitution, which is to bring on Connor Wickham, who hasn't played a game in two years, <laughs> to be our only striker. And he, that was the only substitution he made. And, and to expect to get something out of the game. Like, it was just typical Palace... And I'm very sorry to say it, but it just seems like even even though we've got injury problems, Hodgson just doesn't seem to have a clue what the team is, how to change the game plan in games, what to do. And he, I will be very surprised if he is still there after this run of four games that we have. Wow. Wow. And there you go. We're shit. Hashtag Hodgson out, huh? Yeah. It, I, I fear, not not that I have any idea who would replace him, but at the minute it's beginning to look a bit Pardew-esque in that we don't have a different game plan. He doesn't he doesn't ever bring on subs, um, and and that's exactly what Everton did. Marco Silva about the 60th minute brought on Tosin. Seven minutes later brings on uh, Lookman Calvert Lewin to change up the game, changes the way they played, and look what happens. All three of those are the guys who. Uh, or either assist or score on the goals because the Palace team are knackered. You know, you can't be making your first sub in the 80, 87th minute when you're already 2-0 down. It yeah. just absolutely beggars belief. Like, what what are you doing at that point? Why are you trying to change the game? Even if you make the first substitution at 0-0 in sort of the 82nd minute, I don't really understand what you're doing then. So, yeah, get rid yeah, well, you know who could come in? Someone who hasn't gotten a job since the last one he left. Tim Sherwood. <laughs> no, finger in, mate. Finger in. <laughs> oh, uh, I would die if you guys got Tim Sherwood. I know it's uh, out of the blue and no one's talked about it at all, but like, that would bring me quite a bit of joy. There is no way that would happen. Big Veng will be in. <laughs> Two years younger than Hodgson. A sprightly, sprightly chap just turned 69 the other day. Yeah. Away we go. Whole life ahead of him. Bring in... Big Veng. Um, so, yeah, that's Palace. What I will say about Everton, though, is that, yeah, they didn't look great, but Richarlison should not play up front. Yeah, that much he looks, he looks He looks so lost because he, when he has the option of left or right, he doesn't he doesn't seem to play that well. He should, you know, he's great in front of goal, and I, I think he's an amazing player yeah. and was very worried about him for this game, especially because Sigurdsson... Sigurdsson, if before this game, he'd been involved in seven goals in the last six times he played Palace. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, if a goal like scoring or assist, I think about three of those were him scoring three kicks. Um, but Richarlison should be out on the wings uh, because he looks much more dangerous and, and kind of it's really what he's about as a player and, and being able to get the ball to him without having sort of two or three people around him. He, has, he, he then has more options for one-on-one, especially against a team like Palace because... Tompkins and Sacco aren't gonna aren't gonna spread out wide. They're gonna stay quite central. But yeah, weird shit. Cool. All right. Going backwards. Liverpool one, Huddersfield zero. Anybody watch this? I I watched it. It was real fucking boring. Huddersfield actually had some really good chances. They and did. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. 
play bad like that's that is the best i've seen huddersfield play obviously it's that classic thing of it doesn't mean anything if you don't win um and they were still beaten by a liverpool squad that was kind of racked with injuries but yeah liverpool didn't look too great and i think huddersfield hit the post three times yeah they won the xg battle not by much because it was a boring match like i said but it was 0.9 for huddersfield 0.6 for liverpool to me that's a much much bigger concern than anything as Huddersfield playing decently well against Liverpool, but not scoring. Fine, whatever. That's not going to make a huge difference in Huddersfield's season. But Liverpool only generating 0.6 against fucking Huddersfield yeah, is real bad. And it was really just one really, really good finish by Salah. It wasn't even like a high XG chance. It's just he's so good that he can put crazy things away. But when your attack breaks down to the point where you're only doing 0.6 on Huddersfield, and you're meant to be the best attack, tied for the best attack in the league, that's a major concern, I would say. Um, You know, they have an off week. Everyone's allowed an off week. But the fact that this coincided with Sadio Mane being out Mm. um, and us talking about their potential depth issues in certain key positions, that might be something to keep an eye on if they could have any more injury issues later on in the year because it seemed to genuinely affect them not having Mane to sort of balance out Salah on the other side, Shakiri does good things, but he doesn't do the same things. Um, I, yeah, I still haven't really been convinced about Liverpool so much. Um, you know, yeah, they beat Huddersfield one 0 when they, you know, they get the win. They they have a few injuries and they've got Champions League um, tomorrow as we record. Um, but you know, they drew with City and drew with Chelsea, which are both good results. But you'd still expect them to try and get something from those games, um, not play as defensively as they did against uh, Man City and kind of go for it a bit more. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think without, you know, Salah just on his own didn't really seem anywhere near as effective, even against the defence, which, as we've seen and spoken about before, you know, Huddersfield seemed to get beaten over the top or get beaten deep. They're the team that Edison assisted on that um, amazing goal for for Aguero against, you know, the 70-yard pass over the back of the defence. So yeah, I was surprised that one wasn't a bit more of a cricket score. Um, they've got Red Star Belgrade and then they've got Cardiff. And, you know, Liverpool having Huddersfield Cardiff was the one that, especially for fantasy players, they were, yeah. l- you know, licking their lips over. And personally, I haven't had Liverpool players now in my team for five weeks and I haven't really missed them. Yeah, you won't have suffered, you know, yeah. That's saying something to, to not have some of the best players in the league in your in your fantasy teams, at least, and and still be doing okay. So... We'll see. They could have been preserving themselves a little bit. And obviously, Klopp and Wagner have a big history, so you never know. Yeah. He might not want to have not wanted to humiliate Wagner, especially as, you know, his job could well be in jeopardy um, based on how Huddersfield are. So you could have told the guys to take it easy a bit and just get the win. We talked a lot about how if Liverpool are going to win the title, they can't really afford any slip-ups. And they just eked out a result against Huddersfield, which is good because that's the, you know, people say like, oh, that's a mark of a champion is not have a good day, but still get the result. But three games in a row with not particularly good looking attack would be a concern if I was a Liverpool fan, especially given how ridiculous City have been this year. Um, Because to take it to the next round of matches and specifically to Manchester City, we had Manchester City five Burnley zero in the in that set of matches, along with a few other ones, but that's sort of the big one there. Five to zero, City. Five zero, 
five different goal scorers, three different assisters, two of which didn't get the goals. That's a team that A, knows how to attack, and B, it doesn't matter if they miss certain players. Yep, and the five isn't a fluke. It's 4.5 on the XG. Wow. Fucking hell, that is the highest XG I've ever seen. Yeah, it's that's Barcelona in their prime type numbers. It's fucking absurd. Their stats, actually, there's a really good article right now on theringer.com by Mike Goodman, one of the two guys from the Double Pivot podcast, the other guy being Mike Haley. Um, if you look it up on Mike... On the ringer.com, Mike Goodman had an article talking about how City might actually be better than last year, as ridiculous as that might sound, given their, given their underlying numbers. It was close for a little while, and we were talking about a, a potential title race. Um, Chelsea have started to fall back a little bit with a, a run of disappointing results. Liverpool are still up there with the table, but the underlying stats are getting farther and farther pulling away from Man City to the point where it's troubling. Like, they're still underperforming their xg despite scoring 26 and they are only slightly overperforming their expected goals allowed four expected goals allowed no one else has less than seven and they're at four expected goals allowed after nine matches like fucking a that's amazing yeah yeah they're incredible absolutely incredible and yeah and yeah i think you're right i think i think just because City and Chelsea, and and even now, like let's, because we have to say the fact that that low key, obviously Arsenal, Arsenal are now in joint third. Tottenham, who we've said they haven't been good, like they're in joint third as well, and they're two points behind. Like to have a top five teams which are within two points, is is a really interesting start to the season. Yeah, yeah, because nine fantastic. matches is not that small of a sample size at this point. Like, no, no, no. If you look across other leagues, like there'll be there'll be bigger splits there. Um, yeah. for less games as well. But yeah, it's it, it's fantastic and, and and really interesting. But but City just just blow everyone out of the water. I mean, the fact that Aguero can be in some of the best form of his life, get a goal, from watching the highlights, it looks like he could get a hat-trick in every fucking game he plays. He's yeah. just yep. like marginally away every game. Doesn't matter that he gets subbed off in like the 60th minute every game. Um, I don't. I think for the last three or four league games in a row, he's been subbed off. Yeah. Doesn't play tonight against Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, he's rested. City are currently three 0 up um, at the very end of the game. <laughs> of course, and it just it just doesn't matter. They haven't had Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, all of a sudden, the best ball player in the in the, in the league is back now, uh, like a month earlier than he was supposed to be. Yep. It's like I said at the very beginning of the season, like him coming back now for the difficult fixture period. They're just going to absolutely blow teams away now. Yeah, like this absolutely. is this is the period. This next kind of up until the beginning of January, where the fixture list just doubles and gets so congested and heavy with everything. This is where, to use that kind of American phrase, like this is where champions are made. That's this is where it's decided. If you can come out of the other side of this relatively unscathed, and and still right up there in in first place, then that's it. You you you've done it. 90% of the work. Yeah, absolutely. The rest and is just then not slipping up. Just to cap it off with one more ridiculous stat, because I love the numbers. Man City's XG so far is 27, and the next best team... Anyone want to take a guess what the next best team is? Next best team for XG? For XG, yeah. So far over the course of the nine matches of the season. Um, Only because they've slipped a little bit recently. I won't say Liverpool. I'd say yeah. Chelsea? Yep, Chelsea. That's right. So City are on 27, 20, 26.96. Chelsea are on 28, 
Chelsea, next best team, 17.8. Fuck. So that is a <laughs> massive gap. Liverpool, 17.3. So right there um, with Chelsea. But, like, fuck me. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Such a huge gap. Um, so best attack, best defense, most points, first place. And unfortunately, unless uh, Chelsea and Liverpool start picking it up a little bit, it looks yeah. like they might start to run away with it if the numbers keep going the way they have been. Definitely. Um, but but enough about the best attack and best defense. Let's talk about the game <laughs> with two shit attacks and shit <laughs> defenses. <laughs> Cardiff done a win. Cardiff <laughs> done a win in a six-goal thriller. <laughs> Unbelievable. Fulham don't give a shit about defending. <laughs> they don't care. They're, that's not what they're there for. Yeah. Um, Cyrus Christie, it could categorically be the most out of position player I've ever seen in my life, and not in a good way. Um, Cardiff done four goals against yeah. Fulham. It's not good. It's not good. Now, I don't think Fulham were. And this is after Scherler scored that wonder goal. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Oh, what a goal. I love Andre Scherler. I loved him at Chelsea, I loved him for Germany. I like that he's playing back in the Premier League. I just like being able to watch him regularly. And he's had a couple of bad runs with injuries, which made his performances go down. But when he's playing, he's great to watch. But my God, did he probably go to the wrong team on his two-year loan? (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy year two in the championship, Andre. He's looking at Cardiff being like, shit, I should have signed for them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody's saying that. No, no. But what I was going to say is, like, Yes, Fulham lost four fucking two. Uh, and they had defensive breakdowns and they're not good at defense. Um, but it was still like a decent overperformance from Cardiff. The XG was 1.6 and they scored four goals. So, okay. you know, we talked about City scoring five, but generating like 4.5 or 4.6, whatever it was. Cardiff scoring four, but generating significantly less than that. But then again, like when they were beaten and beaten summarily by Cardiff fucking City, like... That's not good looks for Fulham. Sure, yeah. 1.6 isn't 4, but they still... It was 1.6 to 0.8 on the XG, so they did twice as much. It's like, what are you doing, Fulham? What are you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. Plus, you got the, the added little bonus, uh, a video of which I shared out on the page, of uh, Neil Warnock in his post-match interview after Chambers kind of a bit cynically, I think, pulled down one of the Fulham players who was, they weren't one-on-one with a goalkeeper, like there were three defenders back. He's like, well, anywhere on the pitch, that would have been a red card. Like it should have been given. It's like, but but last week he's saying, <laughs> if you don't endanger the person's life, you don't, Neil, I don't, yeah. what, what is, what? Are, we uh, need to sit down with Neil and get him just to write down what he thinks the rules of the game are. <laughs> And, and and see if, if any of it meets in the middle, because fuck me. I would pay good money to watch the Neil Warnock version of football. <laughs> like, just seeing people murder each other, but then a red card for like weird things. It would just be crazy. That's like one of those house rules on the new FIFA where you can be like, yeah, you get like, you, you get one shank a match. Um, you get one headbutt, um, two ball grabs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to bulk <laughs> yeah make of that what you will either testicular or the actual ball you can just pick it up <laughs> and go like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> run away <laughs> but yeah Cardiff are the fourth worst team for expected goals created in the league 
and Fulham are the worst team for expected goals allowed. Yeah, and if Cardiff aren't careful, they will not break Derby's low points record this year. <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> if Newcastle can't do it, then nobody can. Yeah, Newcastle suck. Newcastle Fuck. suck. Newcastle 0, Brighton 1. Brighton beat Newcastle <laughs> on the road. This was at Newcastle's stadium. That is, and that is, that. I, I haven't even checked it, but that has got to categorically be the most away a team can go. Like, it's either got to be Brighton or Southampton that is the furthest they can fucking travel to go yeah. from the most southern yeah. point up to the very, very tippy top. Can't be far Like, off, any yeah. further and you're playing in the Scottish League, that's how it works for those that don't <laughs> don't know their geography. Um, Oscar, that one's for you. Um, I, hey, I know that, right? They're right by Hadrian's Wall. Like a 20-minute drive from the border. Hadrian's Wall. There you go. There you I go. knew that. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, that game wasn't good either. Was not good. No, Glenn Murray got Glenn Murray got full on like knocked the fuck out um, like midair. Like it was good to hear that he got discharged from hospital afterwards because that was very bad. Like he went up for a header and just he was about five foot in the air and just went into like full ragdoll mode oh, and just dropped to the floor and stayed down. But yeah. Luckily, and you was, hate was to right. see that for Chelsea. The one, the worst one I remember is Drogba getting a. Elbow right to the temple. Yeah, and you can see that they're out before they hit the floor. It's fucking yeah, great. yeah, yeah. And he did like a three sixty flat spin on the way down. Um, so you know, all our well wishes to Glen Murray. Um, yeah, and to Newcastle, to Newcastle fans in this difficult time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who I feel more sorry for: the guy who got knocked the fuck out, or Newcastle United. Uh, oh god, they are the worst team in the league, right? Can we can we agree on that? I mean, only uh, we, I'm only gonna agree with you because Cardiff done a win. Huddersfield didn't look so shit. Yeah, we'll defer that. And you know, yeah. <laughs> in terms of categorical placement, Newcastle are twentieth. Yeah, um, they're literally the worst team. Yeah, yeah, literally, they're they're so bad. Like, I mean, Oscar's bad in leagues, but even he's not twentieth <laughs> in this league. Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> you know what my favorite part of this game though is? It was Newcastle's best performance at home. In terms of the underlying numbers, <laughs> they generated 2.0. That's a oh, decent amount word. of attacking generation at home for Newcastle. Yeah. I watched the highlights and I don't remember them having a shot. <laughs> there are, I mean, I don't know the exact shots total, but looking at the dots on the Kaylee um, XG map, there's like, I don't know, at least 15 shots inside the box. Blimey. Ah, so they're all shit. That's why. Mm. Okay. So they, they're not so good at the finishing, I guess, but. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't have the match report in front of me, so I don't know the actual shots number, but it it's quite a few dots, and they're all in and around the box, whereas Brighton have... Hold on, that I can literally count. Three shots inside the <laughs> box. So, you know, as much as Newcastle suck for losing... Yeah, kind of blows my theory that Newcastle's defense is good with Lascelles there. Nope. <laughs> nope. And then the last match, Chelsea 2, Man United 2, the big match of the week. Fight, 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 fight. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Yeah. I felt uh, a bit hard done by not to win. I um, think that's a couple fair. of things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure, we can. The middle of the match there, we fell back. We didn't look good. We let them come on to us, and they scored two goals off of it. Martial having obviously a really good day. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. His, uh, his second goal was fantastic. The, the touch he put on it, the, the amount of weight and the fact that the ball went probably about four or five yards in front of him, parallel uh, to the goal, 
Ah, uh, and then just banged it into the corner. Like, fantastic. Yeah. And Chelsea didn't look as good as they have in other matches. Um, and it took a 96th minute late goal to tie it up and have, get a draw against United. But in terms of the XG, it was 1.6 to Chelsea, 0.8 to Man United. So Chelsea generating twice as much. Um, and United scoring two on 0.8 is a bit harsh. But also, the bigger story to me was the treatment Hazard was getting. Like, it's fucking absurd. And we, we've talked about this with Zaha, too. Hazard is already the most fouled player in the league. He averages 2.4 fouls per game he gets fouled on. Against United in the last three years, and I lost the actual number. I saw it on a tweet somewhere. I don't remember the precise to the 10th it was, but I think it's like 5.4 fouls per game when, yeah, we're, when we're playing United. So he's already the most fouled player in the league at like 2.5, 2.4. And now against United, it's more than double. And they do a good job, I say good job, um, of rotating who's fouling hazard so that they don't yeah. get a guy sent it's off. It's clearly a cynical yeah it's a plan definitely yeah definitely. it's 100% yeah, i mean plan. it's i i get it i i do i understand why why they do it and of course I, I was talking to my dad at the weekend and my dad's my dad's been a football referee for god knows 40 40 odd 50 years nearly and i was saying like i don't understand why there has to be certain categories of when you can book someone and when you can't send someone off for example so Sean Dyche mentioned it in the man city game because vincent company should really have been sent off in like the first minute um, went up studs up on Aaron Lennon, I think, and gave a massive, yeah. massive two inch gash into his legs and things like that. Yeah, and, and it actually and I, caused him harm. So that that yeah, yeah that should have been yeah, a red and, card. And yeah, nearly claimed his life, or at least the life of his children <laughs> with the foot placement. So it, it also not not only does it does it categorically apply to the actual laws of the game, but also the Warnock expansion pack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, love it, and and I agree because you know that happened with Vincent Company and he should have been sent off regardless of what minute it happens. You yeah. know, you've got careless, reckless, or with, with a aggressive, excessive force. Uh, you had Etienne Capou in about the fourth minute in the Watford Palace game where he jumps two footed onto the back of Zaha's calves and nothing happens. He gets a yellow, should have been a red, but but because it's in the fourth minute, it doesn't happen or. You don't give fouls because they're penalties because it'll be more high profile, but you'll give the exact, you'll give things that are much softer if they're free kicks and less influential. And I, I just think in by, this, by that same token, if the referee can see categorically that what they are doing is rotating fouls on the same player, but between themselves, then you, sh- you should nip that in the bud earlier because it's, it's very easy to see. And and especially when it's so publicised now, and even Troy Deeney came out in the press and mm. said that's what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That why why wouldn't the ref just say, well, no, I'm just going to card you for every one. So if you want to run that game, you're going to end up on eleven cards, and then and then you're going to be at the risk of going down to to eight men potentially. Especially when it's so obvious that it is it does happen to a player like Hazard. It does happen to Wilfred Zaha. I think James Madison. This year for Leicester is up there as the most fouled. Right. I think that was the third person I couldn't think of last week yeah, when we were yeah. talking about this. That this is when the players should be protected, and it's pure and simple. Like no one should be ending their career. Yeah, and you say that they need to be protected, and the other fucking thing about that too is now Hazard's injured, and he's not going to play yeah, in the Europa League, and he's a doubt for next weekend. Before that game, from what I saw, he was holding his back in the warm up and and stuff like that. But but regardless of that, you're you're right. But the media and and commentators, I think, have something. 
uh, have a part to play in this because how often do you hear like oh well the referee ruined the referee ruined the game there like because they might have done an early sending off and by early I mean in the first half or whatever. But exactly, but the referee hasn't ruined the game. No, no, I agree. Whoever yeah. did that has ruined the fucking game. No, no, uh, of course I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they. You're right. <laughs> they'll they'll say that the referee ruined the game, but it's not. It's not at all. If you don't play, the laws of the game are set out and very simple, and it and it really does annoy me just the the lack of consistency. Now there yeah. there is of course this human error, but when it seems to be giving some leeway because it's early or yeah it's ridiculous you know you give a bit more it i i i always have the problem with when they tell players to stop doing the same thing and then they do it and they just still ignore it for example like on free kicks corners when they see two players jostling and that's why with palace against bournemouth he spoke to i think it was sacco and one of a bournemouth player to stop doing stuff sacco did it again palace got a penalty and i was like um sorry bournemouth got a penalty and i was like fine I can live with that because the refs told you, you haven't listened, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. And so it it does pain me, that kind of element, when the refs won't seemingly do those kind of things. Uh, yeah. And I'm not quite sure why and what the pressures are yeah. uh, of why they wouldn't take control of the game. And sure, the referees might be the bad guys for a few games, but after it, it very quickly, the fans, the players, the clubs would understand that they're not going to get away with this shit anymore. And, and just actually have to play the game of football. Yeah, and I mean, we were talking before about the whole fouled in the act of shooting or if you don't go down and they don't give you the penalty. Like, the foul that Hazard got injured on, and you, you said that he might have been kind of tweaking his back a little bit before, but certainly the one that everyone is citing as the one that now he's, like, hurting his back, was the Ashley Young scissor tackle inside the box from behind, takes him down, obvious penalty... But they don't give it because Hazard got a shot off. Yeah. As yeah. if the shot was like, it's a poor shot, contested, but because he happened to make contact with the ball and get a tame-ass shot out of the way, instead yeah. of going down immediately and playing to yeah, the foul. Yeah, I think, I think the same happened in the Huddersfield-Liverpool match, I want to say, that, that one of their players got fouled inside the box. It should have been a penalty. The ball flies up. One of the Huddersfield players does kind of a keepy-up and then hits it, but completely wayward and and like miles out he's he's on the edge of the box and it goes kind of high wide and right by like 15 yards of the goal and the ref knows it should have been a penalty but he considers that the advantage like a Huddersfield player getting a shot that is shit of course that that doesn't really matter but it would have been have to go through four Liverpool players and one of the best goalkeepers on the planet to be in so where does that advantage then coming yeah. I, don't, I don't see that as an advantage i don't know at the time i was like you know what sure we're probably gonna lose oh we we saved a draw against united they're a good team they're a big team i hate united they're the team i hate the most and i was like eh you know like i'm not super upset chelsea have looked good this season i'm just happy to have a team that i can root for that have been playing attractive football and they're in big matches and they competed with liverpool and blah blah blah, blah. and then the more days that have gone by the angrier i've been about this fucking result in the ridiculous way that we got a 2-2. Because we were the better team. We should have had a fucking penalty. We didn't get protection from the ref for Hazard, who's our, the best player in the league. And now he's injured. And like, just fuck off. <laughs> there you Amazing. Go. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to go on a rant about this one. I thought I felt pretty good about it. But then I started talking. <laughs> no, get it out. That's that's one each now. It's Ian next. Ian's got one to go on. So. And, we, and we didn't even talk about the fight. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. I do want to say about that fight, 
Um, zero blame on Mourinho. That guy at Chelsea acted wildly inappropriately, celebrating in front of him one time and then saying something on the way back. I, I don't know what he said, but he said something to him. And then Mourinho reacted. Sure, Mourinho probably shouldn't have reacted the way he did. But yeah, that's ninety nine percent on the Chelsea guy. Yeah, yeah, and that's like he should be facing some sort of action from the club. I don't, I'm not saying he should get fired. <laughs> not like, not like Phil Neville did then. No, yeah. fuck Phil Neville. Phil Neville, absolute disgrace, absolute disgrace. He should be fired. Sorry, should be taking him straight out of the back and firing him. Oh, oh, like fuck off, Phil Neville. Fuck off, you pathetic twat. <laughs> it, it was a ama- I'm, I'm sorry, Oscar. I'm not going with you. I thought I thought it was fucking great because you know what? He cares so much about the club. It's a 96 minute equaliser. Fuck Mourinho. Like, it's the exact same, I, I said to you guys, it's the exact same as when England beat Colombia on penalties and John Stones and Harry Maguire, after Dyer buried the last penalty, turning around and giving it a big one to them. <laughs> like, I love that, so I cannot, I, I, I can't be that much of a hypocrite and say that wasn't great. And the simple fact is, it's not like Mourinho hasn't ever done running knee slides or run all the way down to a corner flag and get with any, like, and winning he, in Champions League or whatever. He said that himself in the post-match. He said, it's not like I've not made any mistakes in my career. They've already come to me and apologised and I've accepted it. Still, the day after, Phil Neville's like, he needs to be sacked. It's like fucking Jose's yeah. accepted his apology. And now you're still saying he needs to be sacked. Yeah, there should be yeah. some action taken. Maybe he should be fined or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, he loses livelihood because he goes mad over a, a late goal. I mean, Jesus. Like, if players if players don't get a fine or anything for celebrating in front of away fans and antagonising them, yeah. that is, there is zero difference from that. You can't expect someone who is that high profile. And, you know, when Jamie Vardy runs past uh, the away fans holding his ears or they yeah. go around, like, putting their finger to their lips... That is the exact same as what Sarri's assistant does. So yeah. if you stop one, you stop all of them. Yeah, and I'm not saying Jose was wrong to react because he reacted, but nothing really happened. It was fine. You know, yeah, all, all good stuff. Get on with it. it's you know. Yeah, should have been more punches. Yeah, more punches would have been lovely. But like, yeah. so did that um, Did that assistant coach, did he uh, work for Chelsea, do you know, while Jose was there? Or... No, he came in with Sarri. Oh, okay. I, I did yeah. wonder whether there was any... And I, I have to say both credit to both teams, like big ups to Mourinho for accepting the apology and even yeah. going so far as to say, I've made mistakes before. Like that's... And he did that really quickly. It's not like Jose to do that. Like it was like in the post-match, he's not usually calmed down by then. I mean, we've seen his no, post-match. No, you know, and... But he did also say, just remember, because I like you people like to write, it's not always me. It's not always Mourinho that does these things. Sorry, like a parent of a kid who acts out at school, <laughs> dragged the assistant coach to Mourinho and was like, you yeah, apologize to him. You much, apologize yeah. right now, um, which I thought was really funny. Sorry was like, no, nah, we were wrong. I made the assistant go and apologize. Yeah. He apologized. Yeah. Now it's done. And then they went outside and chewed a cigarette together and talked it over <laughs> and it was fine. But Phil Neville's still quietly fucking fuming about it. Oh, bless him for wanting to stay relevant. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what he thought of uh, Emmanuel Adebayo's celebration back in the day. Remember when he sprinted down the entire <laughs> ran, touchline? He ran the whole pitch. Yeah. The whole pitch. The whole That's pitch. like one of my See, favorite that, things. He got booked for that. Yeah. I think yeah, he got booked for that. Of course he did. He? Rightly so. He's a fucking prick. <laughs> yeah, but Phil never wouldn't care about that because it wasn't a it wasn't against Man United. So that was fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Adebayor never sprints. He's lazy and slow. <laughs> but then he's one time he's like, "Oh, okay. This is what this is worth running for." <laughs> <laughs>
That was great. And on that note, I think that wraps up part one. So we'll uh, take a quick break for some music and some water. And after the jump, we'll come back for some listener questions and preview next week's pod. Welcome back to Miles Offside Podcast. We've been talking a lot about football. Usually this is the bit where it kind of goes a bit west. Dave Mateo's uh, usually what? got something to say. <laughs> it's Ian's questions. Is it Ian's or is it Dave's? Uh, it's always Dave's. It's always Dave's section and he comes in first. He's always first with who is going to get sacked first? Mourinho, Kovac or Lopetegui? Hang on, Dave Dave asked a football question. He asked a football question. He asked two football questions. I've got we've got another one later. Mm, well I mean A, two questions is pushing it, and B, he's meant to ask something <laughs> right. stupid, isn't he? He gets week, one we or let he him have about ten questions. questions. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> have, we, have we used up all the Teo bank? Have, yeah, is I think is we the have. bank of Dave Mateo that, that, no oh, okay. Fair enough. If that's yeah, if that's all yeah. gone, then I guess we can answer the football one. Yeah, so who's going first? Mourinho, Kovac or Lopetegui? Okay, um, not to act like a, an expert in this, but uh, for those that don't know, obviously Mourinho is the manager of Man United, um, <laughs> Julen Lopetegui is the manager of Real Madrid, and Niko Kovac is Bayern Munich. Yep, you're pitching it at my sort of level there, Chuck, go on. Not, none of the three teams, obviously, traditionally in their countries are kind of great, but none of them are doing well. Um, United are, what are they, 10th? At the minute, I think so. Tenth after like nine games. Um, Bayern Munich, not so bad. They're fourth um, um, on 16 points and they're four off of um, Borussia Dortmund who are in first. And Real Madrid are in seventh after nine games, but they're still only four points off. So the biggest gap is kind of United. Yeah, seven points off the Champions League places. United are at the minute. Yeah, United are seven points off a Champions League place. And nine points off City. Ugh. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, funnily enough, though, I don't think it's Mourinho. I think no, it's I uh, Real Madrid's manager, whose name I won't venture to try to pronounce either. Lopetegui. 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 You won't have to know his name for much longer, mate, so it doesn't yeah, really yeah, matter. Yeah. Yeah, no, really uh, Lopetegui is probably the first one out. Um, just because Real Madrid tend to overreact the most dramatically of any of those three clubs. Amazing that they haven't yet. Well, here's the. There's been rumors already, and normally I don't buy into rumors, but there's some actual substantiation behind this, which is that they're rumored to be going in for Antonio Conte, and he has approached Chelsea as far as settling their ongoing lawsuit situation. Really? So that he can find new employment. Because while that's still an uh, unresolved issue, he can't sign for anyone else. Oh, okay. Um, so if he's reaching out to try to get that taken care of and sort of willing to take the bullet, bite the bullet on however much money he's after to just sort of get it done with, to me that screams, hey, I actually have something lined up. I'm trying to get something moving. So not to get too actual football about it, but my yeah. my sense is that the Real Madrid thing is very... Much impending. I'd imagine they'll see how it goes on Sunday with El Clasico, but if they lose that, then... Yeah. I'd go as far to say as it might be that by the time this comes out, he's gone. It could potentially. 
I was I've I've kept Google open the whole time and kept refreshing <laughs> it just in case we look really stupid. So that way, whilst we're yeah. saying it, we we don't you know sound completely ridiculous. But that is the way of things. Yeah, allow that to cover it then, because he I I do think he could be gone. I mean, I think Zidane saw it coming, and the whole situation of how quickly he was brought in. They didn't really make any signings particularly. They lost Ronaldo. It just all looks all looks very downward spirally to me. Yeah, yep. they've done they've they've had way more outs than ins over the last few years and yeah. it's been really questionable. You know, this this time last year they were doing the same. Like Ronaldo didn't really score before Christmas. Um, but then went on a sensational run that you know, was was even outperforming Ronaldo for years and years, which is why, you know, everyone was saying he was still at his peak and incredible and, and stuff like that. And it, it was very strange because Lopetegui was, was the Spain manager um, that, of course, got fired three days before the <laughs> World Cup. Yeah, um, yeah. for this even, job. Yes, even though, well, that, that was in June, but in May he'd signed an extension with the Spanish national team to take him to 2020. And then Real, it was Real that kind of leaked that he was going to be the uh, their boss before. So obviously then Spain just kind of cut ties because around that time that you are coming up to the major tournaments because they don't want distractions, they, they say you can't have contract negotiations. It, it, it just can't happen. And it's it's mental to extend someone's contract before a major tournament. Like if you do shit, then, you know, you're stuck with them for another two years. Um, and obviously that's kind of how Spain were. They they didn't do great and looked very lost, but uh, because they were with the caretaker manager at the time or the the assistant. So already in in the Spanish press, especially, you know, he's massively hated and very much blamed for all of Spain's problems uh, and why Spain didn't do well at that World Cup. Because if that team had fired, you know, they had a great run in the, in the same way England had an easy side of the bracket. You know, Spain did as well. And yeah. to go out on penalties to Russia was just embarrassing for them. And then to go to Real Madrid and and start off, you know, really, really badly in terms of their classifications uh, of, of, of what, what they consider great. They haven't won many games recently. Um, they haven't won in five, their last five, um, which, you know, the opposition they were against was Sevilla, Atletico Madrid, fine. The Madrid derby, which was a draw. Um, they lost 1-0 to Seska Moscow, who, you know, they haven't kept a clean sheet. Their stat is in the Champions League basically ever. Um, and their goalkeeper got sent off in that game. Um, <laughs> they also lost to Alaves and Levante. Levante, yeah. Yeah, they haven't done well. Real Madrid are this massively successful team and Zidane obviously led them to three Champions League uh, wins in a row. Yeah. But... They're kind of the opposite of a lot of major teams, like for example Man City. You know, they haven't won a league title since Mourinho was the boss. They haven't they haven't won La Liga since then, which is yeah, that's six a long seasons, time, and that is that is bad. Yeah, I think those three Champions Leagues really papered over the cracks a lot at Real Madrid. We mm. don't talk about teams outside of the Premier League that much, but um, just to go to Real Madrid for a little while since they came up, um, I think they do this every few years. Where they just collect all the stars at that are about age twenty seven or so, they age them out, they start to drop off, and then they spend an absurd amount of money buying every good twenty seven year old in the world. Next, so next summer, as a Chelsea fan, I'm very nervous about next summer <laughs> seeing yeah. them looking at Hazard. They're probably looking at Mo Salah. They're probably looking at 
you know, half the guys on City. Harry Kane has been Harry Kane. and Yeah. Well, not if he keeps going the way he's going. But... No, but, <laughs> but if you look at it, you know, Real isn't that appealing at the minute. They're, they're not doing that well. They're, they're all over the place. Um, yeah, but they'll still start a new collection of Galacticos every few years. Like this is what they that's do, the right? Thing, that's yeah. this generation came after the whole original Ronaldo, Aryan Robin, Zidane team started to fall off. Beckham, um, whoever else was on that squad back in the day, and then oh, they... fucking Raúl. Um... Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But they only need to convince one big name, and then you get others. Yeah, it's, absolutely. That's how it goes. Um, I, and honestly, I'm surprised Gareth Bale stuck it out too, because it seemed like Ronaldo Bale. Yeah. And Zidane all saw the writing on the wall. Um, and then Zidane Bale, left. Bale's comments immediately after the championship. Yeah, him and Ronaldo's both were comments like were come like... And get me. It really Yeah, was. exactly. So I'm surprised he stuck around. I'd be surprised yeah. if he's still there next summer. Even though he's, he's doing reasonably well for them, given his added responsibility now that Ronaldo's gone. But it, I just think this is what happens with But he's, Real Madrid. he's not getting selected. Like He's still not getting selected week in, week out. Like the rotation there is crazy. He's not, he's not yeah. settled on a start. Yeah, 11. the rotation is weird, and they and they haven't got a good bench. You know, you look no. at you look at last a uh, couple of seasons ago, and their bench was Kovacic, uh, Morata, Pepe, um, James Rodriguez, and that they've all gone. You know, Tam- yeah. James Rodriguez went on a two year loan to Bayern Munich at twenty and twenty six years old. That makes no fucking sense. That's insane, no, or Kovacic. Yeah. Like, thank you yeah. very much. I love him. <laughs> but what yeah, are you guys yeah. doing? That's fine. Like, if you know you're going to sell, yeah, it, there's got to be some sort of fair play things or, or something. And it, and it, you're right. I think it reeks of a bit of a rebuilding. Um, I think that's why Kovac has maybe Davis grouped him in with this because buying a, a, you know underperforming a bit but they've had very much that for the last few years a very aging squad not really brought that many people in they, they still haven't this year and, and they've sold some good players um their their net spend you know as much as everyone goes on about um newcastle's net spend you know their their net spend for the summer was 60 million in the black um right they, they spent nine and brought in like 70 um because they've got you know mamor Neuer's 32 um, Jerome Boateng's 30, you know, he's still got Frank Ribery there, he's 35, Arjen Robbins yeah. 34, even Lewandowski and Muller, you know, they're 30, so they, they, and they had to ship out some more people because they got rid of like Vidal and Douglas Costa, but they needed to bring in some new players um, and, and some younger players, so I think that's why they brought in Kovac as well. Um, so I think they'll give him a bit more time. I agree with you. Um, there's also, a, there's a difference about how the club's board are handling it as well like there was a an emergency press conference um and they in, everyone sort of thought it might be old oh, Kovac is going or whatever but they instead emphatically supported him yeah uh and it, so there's a, just a difference about how it's all sounding around the club as well yeah, so, yeah and it and it comes from the point where you know compare it with Real who haven't won a league title in six years which is um, crazy that's which, crazy to me that's yeah. crazy for La Liga yeah. but I didn't I hadn't thought of that no, and Bayern have won 12 out of the last 18. They've won <laughs> yeah. six Bundesligas in a row. So if there, if there's ever a time that they're like, okay, we can we can take a bit of a hit and and you know and then still build something to then do the exact same again, now they can do it because they're still not really chasing anything. The only thing they're really chasing is Champions League because they haven't won that in quite a while. But they they can take the hit which which most Premier League clubs wouldn't do because they don't they can't afford to because if they got relegated um, Bayern Munich are the team in Germany 
So they're not going anywhere. They're not they're not worried. And they can they can take this chance to build a really, really good team and give a relatively young manager um, a good chance of, of building something and, and kind of taking them forward in that way. And then maybe challenging for the Champions League, which they weren't doing um, since like Pep was it was kind of in charge there. Even then, you know, Pep didn't win it with them. No, Heineken's did. I think 2013 was the last time they won it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that they're going to give Kovac more time at Munich because I think they realize the situation they're in with the aging stars and it being a sort of transition period. Um, but I think Real Madrid are too reactionary. And he's new. And they don't think of themselves as being in a transition period. I think they're going to throw a billion dollars at the problem next summer and have mm-hmm. a new manager. So, and I don't think Mourinho is particularly in danger right now. I know we had been saying like no. he won't make it to Christmas. He won't make it to Christmas. Um, I think he, I think things are at least for the time being pretty stable there. Yeah, I don't think they'll go paying off another manager again because they've done it so much recently. You know, United as well. They you're so used to them dominating everywhere. Um, he is he is still the favorite in the sack race. Sure. Um, to take it to Dave's other question. Yeah, that leads leads us on to Dave's second question, which is other than Mourinho, uh, who in the Premier League is uh, most in danger manager wise. I think for me, it's going to be David Wagner. Well, Wagner, yeah, I thought so. At Huddersfield, Huddersfield looked terrible. Yeah, and that's so really terrible. Good and just you wonder whether that's just going to be like, oh, stick with the manager that got us there. But fuck me, like, there's got to be a point where you just yeah, because yeah. they are on. Three points, and their numbers are not good, <laughs> to say no, the least. You don't, like, you don't even need to really go really into They're just really, really bad. I don't even need to get into the details. They're just fucking terrible. No, everyone down that end will be, of course, like favourite. Um, Newcastle more maybe because Rafa would leave rather than be fired. I wonder if at this point he's just sabotaging the team because he's like, you're going to fuck with me, I'll, I'll fuck with you. Um, yeah. And, and whether you... <laughs> Either you spend your money or I'm going to cost you it um, by, by, you know, getting relegated for Ashley. Could have said Sean Dyche a little while ago, but he would have saved himself. Um, right. I think Mark Hughes has got to be a shout. I think, like, just because expectation versus reality at the minute of Southampton fans, like, I think they expect to be a firmly mid-table, if not pushing on, team and they are nowhere near that yeah and it makes you question in their manager merry-go-round then why they went for mark hughes because he was doing shit at stoke he nearly relegated two teams last season for i I personally don't think hughes is ever a good managerial appointment but there you go i mean i think he has one plan and then when that fucks up he just gets pissed off because someone's not shaking his hand or whatever it's like the kevin keegan classic (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah so just just because of expectation versus reality i think um I think Hughes might might be a shout to go. I think because, like you say, when when clubs come up, they have a certain level of this is the guy that got us there, and with Fulham that might stay for a while just because they're playing attractive football. Even yep. if it's fucking mental, their fans might just be loving it. They might not. I don't know. I don't know any Fulham fans, but. You know, no one does. Fo- no one's ever met no. a Fulham fan in their life. No one does. I work in West London. Don't know any of them. Uh, <laughs> like they're all they're all fucking Arsenal fans. But um, like, yeah, that so that might that might get that might keep him um, keep him going for a little while. But um, yeah, Southampton. I I'm not a Hughes fan, and I don't. I I think there's a possibility. Mm. Couple of matches 
couple of losses away from him being in serious trouble. Chuck, earlier on you had mentioned Roy Hodgson. Do you think that might be something? Yeah. I think so, but just, you know, if you if, if you are someone who's a bit of a punt, you know, you look at Palace's four next games. Uh, right. It's, it's Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, United, I yeah, want to say. Yeah, got a good run. That's our next four games. And so is so, that potentially a time to be worried about the manager, or do you think they'll cut him slack because of the fixtures? I think you can you can cut slack as much as you want, but, you know, if you then go at that point, that will be 13 games. And if we don't get anything from there, that's 13 games and seven points. You know, you look at the maths of that, nearly half, that's a 20-point season. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. That's awful. And the the only reason at the minute I think the Palace... I still think Palace will be okay is because there are still shitter teams than us. Quite a um, few. Yeah. Quite so a it's few. Not, and, and that's yeah. what worries me, that it's not from a positive. It only takes one or two of those teams to sort themselves out, and then we're in trouble. You know, if, if Cardiff have been absolutely woeful, absolutely woeful, but if they win and Palace lose next week, they're above Palace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you, when you put things like that, like that is something that is fundamentally wrong. And I mean, I, I have looked at the sack race odds because, you know, it always interests me. And uh, so we were saying earlier, like Jose Mourinho is three to one and he is favourite. Um, albeit this is obviously always next manager odds. You can't ever get if they are going to lose their job because, you know, what is it like 14 managers a season get the sack or something stupid yeah, like that in the Premier insane. League? Some That's amazing. More than one. Yeah, it's, I don't treat that as gospel, by the way, but it's it's always in double yeah, figures. Something like that, yeah. Um, usually there's one gone by this point as well. So Yeah, it's pretty I, late be, into the year. Yeah, I'd be very mm. surprised if one makes it 12 games. I mean, obviously, Frank De Boer last season made it four. Uh, <laughs> you're bad if you don't make the first fucking international break. Jesus. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, not good looks. So Jose's first. Uh, he's three to one. Then you've got uh, Jukanovic at Fulham is, is four to one. Um, then you've got Hughes and Benitez at five. Warnock's at six. Um, then oh, interestingly, Warnock, yeah. yeah, Warnock. Then interestingly, and we haven't mentioned him, Claude Puel um, at Leicester. Yeah, there's a lot of rumblings about him actually. They're in eleventh. That's weird. I, mate, I'm wondering if that's because you know they they won the fucking league and then sacked Ranieri. Yeah, yeah. but they're not that bad right now. They're in eleventh. No, I, I I saw that Vardy's Vardy's wife had liked to tweet about. Um, Vardy not being not being the same player under Claude Poyel or whatever, and I know it's like yeah, you know Twitter bullshit or whatever, but but you know you never know, and uh, you know Vardy hasn't looked great yet. No, he hasn't this season. No, and Puel, but Puel but again like, is they a lost weird because he hasn't. Yeah, they've lost a lot of players they've sold, but they've gained some good players. Like Madison has all the potential to be uh, similar to another Mares in the way of like he can create a lot. I'm not saying he's ever going to be the same player, but but he can create and 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 you know the opinion of Leicester will always be masked or, or jaded kind of by by them winning the league that year. Yeah, of course. Um, let's let's not deny the fact that Leicester are just a mid-table club. That's where they should be, you know, staying comfortable and maybe pushing for for potentially a Europa Champions League place. But that's why Claude Puel, you know, you see what he was doing at Southampton, not playing good football, never scoring goals. Well, the same thing is going to happen at Leicester. He doesn't play the brand of football that Leicester fans are used to. That counter-attacking, free-flowing, um, on the break. You know, one player wins the ball, gives it to the ball player, plays it over the back and Vardy bangs it in. You know, you don't play like that. Um, 
So under Nigel Pearson, they were playing that kind of football. Ranieri embraced that. And then Craig Shakespeare had been there the whole time and just carried that on. So now you've gone from the way three managers played to a complete stark contrast. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't... That's, it kind of goes under the radar, but it does make sense why they'd want to get rid of him. And, they, you know, the guy won them a fucking 5,000 to 1 shot of winning the league and he got sacked he didn't even make it halfway through the next fucking season that's amazing it's ridiculous yeah. it's so yeah. ridiculous yeah and then after Puel in the in the the odds you've then got Pellegrini seventh uh at 20 to one and then we'll, we won't go past the top 10 but the next three managers are all even on which is Hodgson Sean Dyche David Wagner, all on 25 to 1. So that, okay. interesting. that's the really surprising one that Dice and Wagner are considered yeah. at the same point. All right, so give me one name, Chuck. Who's your one name? One name to go next? Yeah. I think, I think it's probably between Mark Hughes and, and sadly probably Hodgson. I think just because of the fixtures coming up and, and the fact that we're not looking good and there's, there's a... There's a lot of shit going on at Palace at the minute with various things. So I with think the supporters they'd want to try and, and sort the what? Sorry, the supporters thing, the standing. Yeah, yeah. Thing, so the supporters that. thing will will constantly be going on, and they're trying to reach settlements and blah 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 blah. And you know, with the team not playing well, and it just not looking like we have a plan B. Same as we were saying with Mark Hughes, it, it yeah. doesn't look like Palace have any any idea. So we could well be, you know. 18th, 19th, come okay. the end of these four games. So Chuck's one name is Mark Hughes and Roy Hodgson. Ian, what's yep. your one name? <laughs> I will. I will stick with Mark Hughes. I think uh, so. Southampton's fixtures are up and down. If on the up fixtures they don't manage to get any points, then I think they find themselves in relegation trouble. And Mark Hughes is the sort of manager it's very easy to get rid of. I don't think fans feel particularly attached to Hughes ever. He's not a particularly... No, uh, no, he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Oscar? Uh, I think I'm going to stick with Wagner, although you guys kind of sold me on Hughes, but I'm going to stick with Wagner just because Huddersfield yeah. are so bad that... Um... I wonder why his odds are so long, though. I'd... Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, there's got to be a reason, a but weird. it's always betting patterns as well factor into these things. So. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because that's why Mourinho's... A rough guide. That's why Mourinho's so high, because I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think he'll go. Yeah. Even though, again, they've, they've just lost in the Champions League to Juventus 1-0 uh, yeah. at home. Right. But that's um, a fair result. Like, losing to Juventus, no one's going to think that's no. Oh, yeah. Everyone saw that coming. And, and right. definitely, you're right. Mourinho's odds will be short because of of betting patterns but with Wagner is it I mean did did I don't really I didn't follow the championship particularly last season but were Huddersfield did Huddersfield massively overperform to get promoted Huddersfield were a real real attacking team like they they were known yeah. as that so maybe he's just bought himself some time just because they was yeah but you, you go know. from being a real attacking team to generating only five xg over nine matches they're the worst in the league yeah like the next worst team is Newcastle who've done 7.7 so it's it's they're they're the worst by a wide margin in terms of generating attack, um, and that's including a decent performance against Liverpool this week. So like, I don't know. Well, I think we've we've nailed our colours to the mast on that one. We'll see what happens. Possibly because of our uh, previous conversations, uh, Emily comes in on the Facebook and says, uh, "What is the best bit of Jurassic Park?" <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, Ian. What's the, what's your best bit of Jurassic Park? Uh, when the sort of like the gamekeeper bloke uh, who has got a velociraptor in his sights uh, and then um, realises that there's one at the side and then goes, 
clever girl and it fucking attacks oh, you. Oh, that's such a good one. Uh, that's by bit. all of them. Yeah. Uh, Ian with the with the uh, serious answer there, because that is probably the best moment in me. I got to go with a bit of a joke. Sam Jackson going, hold on to your butts. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's I, really like... I must have seen Jurassic Park like 20 times. And uh, like every time I sort of see it, I go... Oh, fuck yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's in this film. <laughs> I was going to say, the amount of people I've had conversations with it, and they're like, Samuel L. Jackson wasn't in it. Like, he fucking is. Yes, he and he dies. Is. Of course he does. Sorry, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it in the last spoiler 25 alert. years. I, I, I think the statute of limitations has gone on Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think, I think so. Okay. Weirdly, even though I love dinosaurs, I think my two favourite bits don't don't involve dinosaurs as well. <laughs> so, yeah, all the they? bits with Samuel L. Jackson I loved. Um, and like the bit where like the hand comes over and she's like, oh, it feels so good. And like, come on, you would. How did that hand get there? I don't <laughs> understand that bit. That's just pff, plot hole. And also, this this transcends into kind of every film from the mid '80s up until kind of the 2000s of anything that involved having to use a computer or hacking. And the way oh, that they just yes. they just constantly type like so. There's the bit at the end where like the Velociraptors are trying to get so into the good. room, and she's yeah. doing this weird thing where all that's happening is the the computer screen is moving from a box to a box, but the whole yeah. time she's just typing and just typing, and they're just like, oh, I don't know, like. Blah, 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 oh is it gonna work and then all you've got to do is press like one more button and you ah oh, golden eye is peak for that as well golden eye yes. like yeah. the whole time yeah, yeah, alan cummings just like like <laughs> you're not doing anything you're not doing these things that's not how it works that's how in like old-timey movies when people drive they just like are moving the steering wheel all over the fucking place i'm like what are you you just ran over every child in that town like how are you driving <laughs> It's That's not how thing. driving uh, works, guys. No. And my favorite thing is that she calls it hacking, too. She's like, yeah. oh, I do hacking. And then she's just clicking on a fucking menu. It's like an what operating is hacking? system. What, yeah, what is she hacking as well? What has she, what has on she got thing. a reason to hack? It's not, she's it's hacking, not hacking. She's hacking the just... Linux open source operating system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, she just goes into just... a filing cabinet that says doors and just goes, yeah, close. Yeah, close doors. <laughs> it's a good job. It's a good job I'm such a good hacker because this common sense fucking computer system would never be able to be breached. Although I got to say, like, my least favorite moment, the one that made me shit myself when I was a kid and I still get terrified, is when the Raptors open the door in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that bit was terrifying. That's so good, yeah. but so bad. And like, it just taps uh, the... The, ra- the raptor's just, like, blown out from his nose over the window, so it's like the condensation just... <laughs> Yeah, and then you see like the, the little claw pawing at the door handle and you're like oh yeah. fuck oh they know how to open the doors oh god yeah <laughs> not velociraptors though guys they got the name wrong but you know utah raptors <laughs> they were actually utah raptors that they were doing no they died died uh, i can never know how to pronounce it dinonychus velociraptors are actually really small yep they're the size of like a chicken they're like three foot two three foot tall so big chicken <laughs> that's dinosaurs that's dinosaurs. That's dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> also, a guy gets eaten off the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so good. Is that in the porn version or? <laughs> gets eaten. <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> Jurassic pork. Not not eaten in the toilet. Eaten on uh, the toilet. Anyway. Yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and to finish us off, as it were. Uh, Johnny, o- <laughs> Johnny OG comes in with 
Who do you think has been the best summer transfer so far this season? Oh, that's like a sensible question. That's a proper question that requires some thought. Gotta be Jorginho, innit? <laughs> he's got to be yeah, up there. Yeah, he's, he's up there. But I was looking at this earlier and thought, there's no real standout, obscenely no standout. great. It was... It, it was fairly muted transfer window in that way, I think. Well, that's why I say Jorginho, because he comes in, he's not a flashy player the way Hazard is or other dribbler, yeah. scorer type guys, but he has revolutionized the way Chelsea yeah. play. He is the linchpin in that entire thing. Yep. He's arguably Chelsea's most important player. Obviously, Hazard is the best one, but Jorginho might be the most important one so far this season. Chelsea just look at them like they played under Mourinho and Conte, very defensive, very counterattacking type teams. He comes in, they are by far the most possession team in the league. Like, well above and beyond what even City are doing. Um, he has, He's breaking all kinds of records for passes per game, pass completion rate, all sorts of craziness. And it's like, it's down to him. Him coming in this summer is, and knowing how to play within the Sari system, is took Chelsea from a decent team to one of the three best teams in the league. And yeah. But moreover, just like the impact in the style that they play... And how quickly they've been able to adapt to it. To me, it's got to be Jorginho. And that's not even from a Chelsea fan perspective. I just think like he's had the biggest impact for the best team to take them to a whole different level. Chuck? Cristiano Ronaldo, isn't it? Ah, oh. oh, I see. You've got it. Yeah. To be yeah. fair, the fact that Juventus... The fact that Real Madrid sold him... Yeah. So, like, I mean, fair enough. Like, if you get offered over 100 million quid for a guy that's 36, I want to say... Like he's he's up there in terms of footballers. Like he's not past it. He is not past it whatsoever. No, he keeps himself no, no, in no, incredible no. shape. But just if if Real Madrid are going to go into so much uncertainty, like just keep him for one more year because it's not even like they spent that money. They just no. got, they just got rid of tons of players, and so I don't know whether they're banking on James Rodriguez coming back and being a new signing. But just keep him for the whole years. You don't have to no. buy a player then get rid of him for two years. Just so, like, yeah, when he comes back, he'll be great. Just have him. It's a good choice. I would go possibly Liverpool and their keeper, um, Allison. I think that was a great buy for them. What with uh, Van Dijk last year and then Allison, I think. There, there was a bit of a myth last year that Liverpool were shit at the back, which, if you mm. were a fantasy football player, wasn't the case. Just wasn't the case. They, yeah. were, they got... They got plenty of clean sheets, but they've really shored that up as well. And you can argue about their squad depth, definitely, but that that is an area they absolutely had to sort out, and they did it quickly and efficiently. Sorted that. Yeah, they just Job threw done. money at it. Job done. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 but like you know, that fair enough. That's the you yeah. know they hadn't done that for a long time, so there you go. They threw money at it. Job done. They also bought Shakiri, which I think is a real good squad depth. Yeah, and he wasn't yeah. much, was he? He was like 12, 15 million. He was pretty like cheap. 13, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great squad depth purchase, and he's been mm-hmm. brilliant. He's come off the bench a few times and been great little impact player, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think Liverpool did good business. I'll yeah. probably go, Alisson. Yeah, and I think we cite overperforming your expected goals allowed as potentially a way to see how much of an impact a keeper can have. Sometimes that's variance. Sometimes um, if you can bring in sort of outside logic to it, you can say like, oh, clearly that's David De Gea's effect. Or that's the effect of Burnley's amazing keepers. Liverpool right now are 6.5 expected goals allowed and only three actual goals allowed. So they're overperforming a decent amount. Um, I know that it doesn't sound like a lot because it's only three goals. But over the course of nine matches, that's a that's a decent impact for a yeah. goalkeeper. 
Um, so you're, you're probably not wrong. Um, and certainly in terms of upgrading over what they had last year, yeah, it's night and day. So, yeah, I, I, I could see that being a, a answer as well. Uh, between him and Jorginho for me. Shakiri not so much, just because he isn't actually playing. So Yeah, yeah. But the same thing you could say Mares to the next level for City. Like, oh, we just yeah. bought Riyad Mares as a squad player. Fucking hell. Uh dear. So anyway, if you want to get questions into us for next week, we are Miles Offside Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, and uh, we're Miles Offside Pod at Gmail dot com. If you want to email us something, and if you'd like to review us, give us a five star review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, then that would be much appreciated. I always wonder whether I shouldn't do that bit after the listener questions which is often complete fucking nonsense (laughs) wait maybe we should ask for reviews but in another bit but whenever people tweet us they always seem to say they enjoy the nonsense never get any compliments on the football stuff so to be fair we never admitted to know much about football yeah yeah i suppose we pitch it right don't we i'm just a robot that says numbers out loud so (laughs) (laughs) beep beep boop five xg I think that's what people hear sometimes when I talk. It's what I hear. I don't know. <laughs> that or beep beep, fuck you. <laughs> Another hot dog. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chuck, do you want to take us through an update of the Predictor League? I would like to ask the question, is Oscar still bottom? Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> Is the top three still the same? Yes, it is. Okay. There's your update. Beep, beep, boop. I am sad. (laughs) You fucking suck. (laughs) Oh. Ian's son's still smashing you by 16 points. But this is the thing. Like, Finley is 21st, you're 22nd, and there are 16 points between (laughs) you. You are so rock bottom. It's can we add? Can we add Oscar getting sacked to the uh, Dave Mateo? <laughs> yeah. Sack At the minute, race, if yeah. there's, you know, if they do, who's getting sacked from the podcast first? Oscar, Chuck, or Ian? Next week, I'm going to get Finley to go and welcome to the <laughs> podcast. Fantastic, done. Finley's in. Oscar's out. <laughs> yeah. To give credit where credit's due, at the top, we've got John OG in third place on fifty. Adam P on 42 and Pad Fall on 36. Ian's still right up there in joint fourth with Dave Matteo and seemingly Oscar's more educated and better half, Emily. <laughs> Certainly true. And if you want to, I tell you what, I, I, we weren't going to do this, but I'm just going to drop it in here. The draft league that we did before. So I've managed to overtake Oscar. Yay! Oh, Yay! Okay. Shock, shock, Brilliant. shock. Oscar's at the bottom of that league as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's on 47 points. I'm on 48 points. Ian is on 80. 80? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is a massacre. This is pointless. I still fully blame you, Chuck. Fully, fully yeah. blame you for taking Palace. Don't be, don't be upset, mate. Just because you're bottom, All right? <laughs> Can't help that I picked the better team. Um, and that's it for our Predictor League segment. And we look forward to only one week's wait until the next fixtures. Thank Christ for that. Ah, uh, game week ten.
starts on Saturday, 27th of October. No early kickoff or anything like that. So, Oscar, you don't have to be up stupid early. Yeah, I get to sleep till 9 o'clock for yeah, although purposes. Pretty much all of the 3 o'clock games are terrible. Uh, well, not really. We've got Brighton Wolves, Fulham Bournemouth, Liverpool Cardiff, Southampton Newcastle, Watford Huddersfield. They're all your 3 o'clock, 10 o'clock games. Then 5.30, 12.30 is Leicester versus West Ham. On the Sunday at 1.30 or, uh, what is it, 5 hours? 8.30, <laughs> yes! Quick math. Right. 5.30, 8.30 is Burnley, Chelsea and Palace, Arsenal. Your 4 o'clock and 11 o'clock game is Man United, Everton. Then on Monday, Monday Night Football is Spurs, Man City. Eight o'clock, three o'clock. So very much kind of gradually picks up as the week goes on there. Yeah, for sure. No wonder there's no early kickoff on Saturday because fucking none of them they want on TV, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) No one picked up any of them. Anything catch your eye on Saturday, Ian? I mean, Liverpool-Cardiff, just because it's a possible dick-in. But... Nah, it'll be 1-0, wouldn't it? Although the way yeah, Liverpool's been going. Yeah, actually. exactly. It could be 1-0. Yeah, that's the thing. We'll but... Cardiff Cardiff just put four in on Fulham. <laughs> you, ima- you guys imagine if Cardiff beat Liverpool there? The drama? Oh. oh. <laughs> Warnock just having a wank on the touchline. <laughs> just be just off me. The worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, I'm having a lovely time. He's having a lovely time. He loves <laughs> okay. it. Um, no, no, because I'm I've gone from full optimism with Palace to being no. I just need three teams to lose every week and <laughs> them all to be below Palace. <laughs> I'm now full on in that. It took nine weeks, guys. Yeah. Nine weeks to crush the life out of me. Uh, eight and a 17th half. Seventeenth is the goal. Seventeenth is the goal. <laughs> Oscar, any of those games that you you like the look of? Chelsea, obviously. Yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea, I'm just, I honestly, like, not to gush too much, even though, like, literally I'm about to, I just really like watching Chelsea. Like, they're really <laughs> fun to watch. They're good. It's great. I got, like, I, I'm just having a good time over I can here. never comprehend what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> like, I turn around to my, my girlfriend's uh, brother-in-law and he's an Arsenal fan. He doesn't he doesn't really follow football that much, but he's just an Arsenal fan, um, like most of them. And mm. Um, mm. I turned to him and went, you need to understand, mate, that you've got very different expectations to what I have. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you can slag off Arsenal. I'll be like, that's a great result or that's a great performance. Mm. I, mine's just if we, if we all wear the same kit, um, that's kind of <laughs> the first tick. <laughs> Palace Arsenal might be fun. I, I'm not going to lie. I, that one catches my eye. I mean, if you're an Arsenal fan. We haven't scored a goal at home yet. Our only striker has got no legs. I just... Uh, Zaha dribbling around the Arsenal midfield and defense could be really fun to watch. No. They they don't do well with speedy dribbler guys. Hazard always destroys them. Yeah. And we did beat them like 3-1 last year at home. That was good. Yeah, there you go. Oh, our times have changed. So yeah, I won't be picking that one. <sighs> Spurs City? Are we as excited for Spurs City as we might have been given the names on that piece of paper? <sighs> That's a resounding no, given that both of you just sighed. <laughs> well, I just wonder if Spurs are going to like suck the life out of this game as well. That's what I'm worried about. It's sort of... 
Monday night football, you see two teams in the top six you think should be great. But yeah, I just think Spurs have an ability at the minute to just make games dull. They are fun sponges. Yeah, total fun sponges. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, they're total fun sponges. And I I can't see this being an exciting game. I, I think I think City will win, I think, but I think it'll be low scoring. I think Spurs aren't mugs, so they won't get dicked five nil. Sorry, dicked is the word we're using now, so I'm enjoying it. Um but like, yeah, I, yeah, thanks. But um yeah, I think it'll be low scoring, and but I think Man City will sneak it. So I'm I'm reckoning one nil, two one, but not an exciting one. Yeah, and as much as we breeze past it, if we're going to go for goal fests, I think on paper it's Fulham Bournemouth, isn't it? It was just a six goal thriller between Fulham and Cardiff. Bournemouth, yeah. Bournemouth can actually hit a barn door with a banjo. But I tell you what, that's a game I am not betting on. No, I fucking could be clue. any result. Any result. Yeah. Could even be zero zero because they're both like unpredictable yeah. teams. Yeah, oh, I'm not going anywhere near. Yeah, that. don't touch that. Yeah. Over over three point five goals if you are going to fuck it. Do it. <laughs> uh, and then Watford Huddersfield could be like eight nil. Yeah, Watford <laughs> could could properly dick them. Proper dick them. So there we go. Mark Hughes could lose his job if Newcastle win. Uh, Mike Ashley could throw up in a fireplace. And anything could happen. <laughs> Let's just be glad in this bleak, bleak time of teams doing shit. Paul Lintz could say fuck on BT Sport. He could say fuck on BT Sport. That was fantastic. That fuck was yeah. fucking hilarious. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, never has someone agreed with Steve McManaman with such gusto. Oh, yeah. Steve McManaman. He used to do the commentary on ES. So way back in the day in the US, Fox Sports had nine out of the ten matches every weekend. And then ESPN got one of the matches. And they had Ian Drake and Steve McManaman as the commentators. And it was always the 7.30 Saturday match. And they would start announcing at like 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning. And Steve McManaman was always clearly like hungover from the night before. (laughs) And the two of them would just drink a bunch of coffee and just talk nonsense during the matches. Like they would barely be paying attention to the actual match. They would just be having ridiculous conversations and then be like, oh, oh, hey, Man City scored. Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> and it was fucking hilarious. And I oh, loved love it. it. I used to love Maka and Ian Dark in the mornings <laughs> on Saturday because it was like the perfect way to kick off the weekend because it's like now the early match, they take it all serious and they're all like actually doing analysis. And I'm like, it's 630 in the morning, bro. I'm trying to like barely watch this match just so I know who scored for my fantasy team. They were always a, a ray of sunshine on a very early morning. And if you'd like to know the inspiration for the reason we started doing this podcast, there it is. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Because if they can do that shit and get paid, then we can certainly give it a go as well. Because Stephen and not not get paid, (laughs) not get paid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, we're halfway there. We're doing a load of shit. (laughs) Someone's gonna get. We're gonna get paid somehow eventually. (laughs) By hook or by crook, it'll fucking happen. And there you have it. Tuesday night, wrapped up, or Thursday night, and you're listening to this, or Friday, whatever. I don't know. Or 2019, if you went back and picked, like, oh, episode 20, I want to hear an old episode, and see how that sounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, because we could be talking to the future right now. It's nice that you assume that we're still going, then, Oscar. It's good to have her. <laughs> I have confidence in us. Well, even if even if it all collapses, and we, for some reason, massively fall out on episode 21... Your, your daughter's got uh, 20 hours that will never be erased from the internet of 
her dad talking shit about jailings, getting pissed and having a go at James Corden. She's she's got that. <laughs> that's something she can always look back on and go, my dad was a prick. God forbid, because that's all she's fucking getting in the will. <laughs> I'm not gonna have a pot to piss in by then. <laughs> that's her inheritance. That's the inheritance. Of miles offside. That's your inheritance, and that's dinosaurs. Um, thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you, Ian, for both this episode and for the amount of work you're going to do after this. Because yeah, this is <laughs> a too. long recording. Thanks, Oscar, for not running off to have to do a shit mid- midstream. Hey! Hey! Got in there. There you go. And thanks from me as well. Take care, guys. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. Hello, Chuck speaking. Oh, yeah, hi there. Yeah, 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 I do the Mars Offside podcast. Okay. Who's it? Robert who? Robert Robert Hooth. Robert Hooth says we're shit. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, like like El Clasico shit or... Oh. Oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll call Ian now. Yeah, yeah, I'll cancel it. Sorry. Yeah, tell tell Rob we're we're, we're sorry. We we deeply apologise and um, we we really value his opinion on this and 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 thank him for his honesty. Cheers. Bye.